Hello, it's Jack Tudor here of Attention Magazine. Welcome to Crucial Listening, the podcast where I speak with experimental musicians and sound artists about three albums that are important to them. My guest this time is Alan Cortis, a musician from Argentina, an incredibly prolific musician from Argentina whose primary instrument, I guess you could say, is the guitar, although he'll play anything he can get his hands on by the sounds of it. I think it was the musician Daniel Mensch who, when I interviewed him, said that Alan is the embodiment of what does blood sound like. And I think what he meant by that was that just Alan is imbued with this impulse to make sound. It does feel as though that he's not so much playing the instruments that he plays so much as using them as a means of amplifying his body. And I spoke to Alan just in the advent of two quite big releases that have been put out that had his name attached. So the first is a solo release called Buchler Guitar, which was the product of a residency he did at the EMS in Stockholm, where he plugged his guitar into the Buchler synthesizer, this gigantic machine that mangled his sounds in all kinds of ways. And when you listen to that release, you can definitely hear the unknown of every moment of just like okay what's going to happen when I do this on the guitar what's going to happen when you know I adjust the buchler in this way it's a really uh, exploratory work and the second release is a box set of Reynolds Alan's band that have been going since 1993 uh, this is a six CD box set which is coming out on Pika Disc which also has a whole bunch of video footage as well. That one's going to be one to watch. Um, it was great to speak to Alan. We had a lovely chat about three records that he brought to the table, three that I had no experience with previously. And if you want to find Alan online, good luck. Uh, he doesn't have an official website or anything, but as per his recommendation, just type his name into Google and see where it takes you. Apparently he relishes the confusion that that can cause. Anyway, without further ado, Alan Cortis on Crucial Listening. Welcome to Crucial Listening. Oh, hello. <laughs> Sorry. Nice to meet you again. <laughs> I should have uh, said that I was going to be doing one of those radio-style intros. So, as you were just saying before we started the podcast proper, uh, you just come back from spending some time in Paraguay playing some shows. How long were you over in Paraguay? That was like uh, 10 days, and it was... Uh, my first time there and it was not a, a proper tour in terms of uh, playing that much because it's not very easy to play in Paraguay to be honest at least for the first time I think next time I'll be there that would be a little bit easier but yes I, I made a couple shows uh, and we were also doing some workshops about like sound poetry with my friends Leon Slupet and uh, I was also researching we are doing a um, 
a kind of compilation of uh, music from Paraguay from the 60s and 70s. So I was still researching that and that that stuff. Fantastic. What kind of research were you doing then? Was it meeting people or, or how, how did that work? Well, yeah, I mean, I already have the uh, the, the first compilation uh, going with, with the records, but I was uh, interviewing people and meeting people. And uh, I think there's a lot to do in Paraguay in terms of uh, archive, because there's, uh, I, there's very little stuff you can get to know about this stuff. So I was meeting people and talking with them and... I don't know, getting more information about all this scene that was completely hidden, I would I would say, like, uh, forgotten for years. And do you mean forgotten in terms of forgotten by even the people that were living there or, or in terms of further afield? Not for the people, because, I mean, there, some of those groups uh, are still, like, somehow well-known in some parts of Paraguay, but only in Paraguay. And then the, some of the stuff, most of the stuff is not even online or not re-released. So it's a little bit like a, a kind of scene that has to be discovered. And we are trying to help in that way to, you know, get the, the stuff and try to make it available for the rest of the world. <laughs> and the funny thing, or or the thing is that all these groups were recording in Buenos Aires, so it's it's like a nice thing to do to just make the, you know, like go back and make the um, this kind of a effort to because all all these groups were coming to Buenos Aires to record and they were uh, somehow forgotten. So I think it's nice to also make the way back from Buenos Aires to Asuncion. That's quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's nice there's an existing link there that you're kind of using in order to spread this material further afield. That's nice. And what yeah. were your shows like in Paraguay? What kind of equipment were you using? And um, yeah, how did they play out? I only uh, brought there just a very, very small um, set with uh, like like pocket set for the, for the shows. I borrowed a broken guitar. And I work with uh, some small synthesizers and, you know, that kind of stuff. So synthesizers and some tapes and, well, I don't know, strange stuff. But I, I was borrowing some this, <laughs> this broken guitar and some stuff that I, I think I play with some stones I found there. You know, I like to do that kind of stuff to go and get some stuff from the from the place, and not bring everything like. Uh, you know, like ready, just but just go there and find the stuff. What was it like playing with that broken guitar? I mean, did you feel like you were getting to know how it was broken and how that affected the sound, like as the as the gigs went on, or what was that like? Well, it was pretty experimental. You know, I was like, <laughs> I was not very sure the the, the guitar was getting was uh, surviving the whole tension, <laughs> but anyway, it was working, so I was happy. Oh, well, that's great. And uh, another thing I wanted to talk about as well is the fact that you've just recently released a double album called Buchler Guitar, which, funnily enough, in the last time I interviewed you, which was February 2017, you were talking about the fact that you'd been mixing that material. And in fact, it looks like that the mixing had, had taken a place over quite a stretch of time. I think on the notes it said between 2015 and 2017. Is that right? Yeah, it, it took, took me quite a lot, lot of time to just, uh, I don't know, 
uh, made the final compositions because I was recording quite a lot. I was like a couple of days, like three or four days, I think exactly from, uh, let's say, February 28th to March 5th in 2014. So that was like, yeah, five days or something recording there. And so I had quite a lot of, of sounds and, and, and I was doing, I don't know, the, these four long compositions with all those sounds and that was the the approach so we, it took me quite a long time but i was not very uh, i didn't I, I was not hurried in the sense of just i don't know you you have to also take your time to uh, like the way it is flowing and so and then there's the thing about the label it takes some time to make the vinyls and also blah 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 of course and also we we got some some support from the sky fundacion sky to also get some money because it's a double vinyl which is quite expensive yeah. but i'm pretty happy it's it's out yeah i mean i've been really enjoying trying to get my head around all of it because uh, you know it's a it's a long release but also as well what i think is fantastic is that i i feel like from listening to it that i can really hear a spirit of exploration and discovery going on in it almost feels like real time as i'm listening just learning and recalibrating as the bootler sort of makes its intentions known and corrects your course and sort of pushes back i mean it's i mean it's a wonderful listening experience well, I mean, it, it it takes some time. It's like it's not uh, like uh, it's not so. What's in the word? Like instantly. I mean, it's like it takes some time uh, to to get into that. What is going there and what is changing there? Mm. Um, because um, it's a very special machine, <clears throat> and also it took me uh, to that kind of approach. That is like you have something, some kind of sound, and maybe something is slowly changing. But it's not. Uh, I mean, it's there are a lot of changes, but very subtle changes. So you need to like focus perception or open your perceptions to see what's going on. But it's not. I mean, it takes some some time. I would say. I mean, did you find as as well as you were uh, sort of mixing and rearranging the material? Did any new thoughts over that process and over the material itself kind of develop? Like, I mean, I wonder if your did your relationship with that material change over that stretch of time that you were assembling it into a release? Well, yes, yeah, because I mean, I I just forgot. I mean, I, I was all these five days recording, and then I just mostly forgot about what what was what was sounding. So I then I I came back to my studio. And, put those uh, files and i was saying oh this is strange i i, I don't even have a i don't remember exactly how how it was sounding and that's also quite exciting because you you get all this stuff and say and i don't know now i, I have to i don't know compose something with all this stuff but uh, then it's a little bit different so and you have to uh, but i think it's nice to get some stuff you don't remember completely you don't it kind of uh, surprise yourself and some stuff is like you are wondering is this good or bad but i mean that's experimental music you should you should like have a lot of um, questions all the time but uh, I, in the end i was uh, 
really happy with the with the with the results. I still have more files or more stuff from the session, but I think it's quite the it's a resume of uh, the best uh, sounds that I got, like sending the electric guitar to the bookla, which was like um, which is I think a, um, a very strange way of using uh, the the bookla and both the guitar because i mean there's some point where i don't know exactly what is the signal you're entering and what is the the reply from the bookla it's very very difficult to say it even for me when i was playing that stuff yeah i, I mean when you got to the end of the recording session that you did over those five days say on like the fifth day were you had you felt like you've made much progress in understanding how the booklet behaves and what it does to your sound from the guitar? Um, well, I think I knew a little bit more uh, after a couple of days, but I, there's still a big mystery behind <laughs> that machine. <laughs> And I think that's also nice. It's this kind of connection with paranormal stuff. And and also when you are plugging and sending some extra sounds from a guitar and you don't know how this stuff is reacting with some of the filters, oscillators and delays and stuff on there, then it's very, very difficult to predict what is what is happening but then i think that's that's pretty pretty nice and pretty uh, inspiring for a composer and for an improviser well i guess if uh, if you were able to get a, a real handle and an understanding of how the machine would behave depending on what you did or what you changed it would almost then become something where you'd but maybe i don't know but maybe you'd start uh, changing how you played because you knew what result you were going to get whereas with this it almost sounds like you've got a torch in the dark and you're kind of illuminating different possibilities as you're kind of scanning the surfaces which i i feel like that really comes through when i listen to it that's a really nice nice quality well, I mean, I think if I'm back to the studio, it will sound completely different. <laughs> you know, it's like, so yeah, you're probably right in the sense that we still need the, the torch and I don't know, you just go there and just try to get some light. And that's why it's uh, real and it's quite exciting. Um, and where can people check out that release? Uh, was, it, was it on Firework Editions, I think it was released? Yeah, it's Fireworks Edition, the label that is... Uh, uh, Leif Felgren and Daniel Rosenthal, they are um, working with this label, which is quite amazing. And, and I think there's not the whole release, but uh, you can find some excerpt in SoundCloud if anybody has anyone, anybody wants to, to check the, the sound. Um, probably we'll have a, a version online, but uh, for the moment that's the only thing you, you have. And if not, you have to buy the record which is um, a nice double lp great well i'll i'll post a link in the show notes to that so if anyone's interested they can go and uh, check that out as well um also you've put together a list of three important albums as is the custom on this podcast and one question i do like to ask and it definitely feels like a question which is relevant uh, in this scenario based on what you've told me already but i'd like to understand how you thought about the term important and what led to the decision to pick the three three records you did today 
in terms of like how you consider that term important? Okay, the first thing is um, I decided to to pick uh, to choose some non-European records because I think you. I mean, of course, I can point like some American, like North American or or European records, but uh, you probably know a lot more uh, that stuff than some other stuff that uh, is still like um, not well known everywhere. So I thought that it was interesting to pick up some. Latin American records or Argentinian records that are not very well known yet. Um, so I was choosing some three records, uh, very different one from each other. Uh, the first one is this one from the Musica de los Arborígenes, that is uh, one of the best uh, recordings. Uh, this is from 1967. So it's a record about like music from native uh, ethnic groups from Argentina. Uh, and I think it's one of the be only and best uh, LPs in this area, at least from Argentinian uh, releases from there. Yeah, let's start with that one. I mean, how did you come into... How did you come to own or, or to listen to this collection of recordings? Well, I think it's uh, I've been always like really um, um, interested in, in in music made by by ethnic groups from Argentina because actually they were the ones living in this land before the Spanish conquerors arrived. So I think uh, it's quite interesting to listen their stuff. And, you know, I think it's... Um, I think this record, for me, is one of the most important records for Argentinian music of all times. I think even I would I would say it's, it's still, like, one of the most important records of experimental music, uh, or, or at least Argentinian experimental music of all time. For me, it's really inspiring and it's like really powerful music. And you know, it's uh, it's music that is not uh, working with the um, with the the Western European um, you know focus because I mean some stuff is not based in the melody uh, or it's like uh, i mean there, for many for many times uh, some people were like skipping this stuff or saying that this this stuff is not so complex than uh, compared to you know like uh, european composition and that stuff but i think that that's completely not very interesting approach because um, i think this this music has its own approach and the approach is not based on uh, you know like rational uh, harmony and blah blah it's like mm. music with other way uh, to approach and 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 you cannot uh, say in art this is oh this is uh, just to put a um, you know, like like marks to everything, and to put like. Um, so I think this music is great itself, and and we we should like try to avoid any approach from another uh, tradition. But for many years it was like um, you know like also forgotten because I mean from the Western composition standards this is primitive music which I think is completely wrong and it's completely ugly in terms of, uh, of listening this music but that approach was um, quite usual and you know it's very difficult now in Argentina if you go to a record store and you, f you ask I want music from 
from native tribes from Argentina, it's very difficult to get this stuff. It's not uh, available on the record shops and everything. And that's, I think it's a big, big, big mistake because I think it's, it's really important for Argentinian music. Yeah, do you think it's a case of, I mean, as you said there, there's a, a lens through which a lot of this music is potentially being graded, which is based on a perhaps academia, um, perhaps like a, a journalistic uh, principle of what constitutes i don't know high quality music or, or i mean where do you think the uh, disregard is coming from where, where is uh why aren't more people paying attention well i don't know i think it's uh, i try to listen to this music just uh, as music because it is yeah. music so um the only thing i don't like about the record is this ugly voice in the middle like explaining blah 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 blah, blah <laughs> like explaining this music as it if it were only like anthropological you know examples only because i mean that i think that's a not very interesting approach at all. I think it's music, and we should listen this music as music because it's obviously music, and it's. I think it's great music. In, I think like experimental music, it it needs some, uh, uh, you know, some work from the listener to get into what the, this music is. Uh, it's not. It's not so easy. Uh, to get the the vibe. Maybe with easy easy listening, it's a lot easier, because it's. Easy listening, right. but with um, this kind of music, you just need more to go further, to go inside the music and get the real vibe of what is uh, going on. And even if you don't know the language or anything, that's a great thing about music. You can uh, you can put music from any country, like Thailand or uh, or any anywhere, and if you just focus on the music, you can get something, even if you don't know don't know the language or the country or anything music can bring you always something i was listening to this just before we started this call actually and there was one piece in particular that really sprung to the foreground for me which is this piece it almost sounds like it's a duet for for flutes or like um some kind of whistle or something but it's in the second part of the two yeah um, tracks i, I don't know, if yeah, you know yeah, what i'm yeah. talking about but oh it's gorgeous like the like um I don't know, harmonically, it's just uh, really striking. It's got this beautiful shape to it. Do you have a, a particular track that sticks out for you or, or a particular section that's particularly prominent for you? Well, I think it's uh, mostly the, the whole record is amazing because, I mean, it also covers very, uh, you know, Argentina is a very strange country in the sense that it's very long. So in the north, uh, East, you have these uh, um, Guaranias or Waikurues that are like more related to Paraguay or Brazil, uh, and in the south is near Antarctica. So the the uh, in this compilation you have uh, some uh, uh, Chonic, I think, uh, from Patagonia, which which are very um, in the south. So that that's near Antarctica. So the 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 music is very different because of, of this uh, weather variation and also region and also uh, languages are completely different. It's like completely different. So I would say I like all the music better. Yeah, I mean, this um, mouth harp is quite amazing. Also, all the, the voices are really strong for me. Yeah. And, and also some, some uh, percussion and this... Uh, um, uh, the violin there's a violin they play with it's, it's made with a 
with a horse hair that is one string violin from the NVK. It's from the, the Tova uh, tradition. But the name is, uh, yeah, the NVK is the, is the, is the name. Uh, in fact, doing a, a bit of reading about previous interviews with yourself, I mean, it it sounds like that potentially the, the influence of this music has, has also found its way into your own music. I mean, um, I read about a record, B-Rain Folklore, which... Uh, it seemed from the description I read, I don't know if this is right, but seemed to at least in part be an, an exploration of cultural identity and folklore. I mean, is uh, is there are there ways in which this indigenous music has has found its way into your practice, or that you would consider it to be an influence on what you do? Well, um, a little bit, but also the thing is um, that folklore record also is based on music that is a little bit later in the right. Argentinian culture like you know like this music is from the pre-hispanic era in a way or is what is surviving from that tradition but also afterwards you have this mixture with hispanic and um you know like native uh, so that blend brought different music in the continent in argentina you have this folklore stuff related to chacarera gato samba and all this stuff so that record was exploring uh, more that side but anyway that uh, blend has some native uh, also influence but uh, i made a record also with the toba violin because i also have uh, this nvk violin and, and and recorded that and mixed that with electric guitar which is a very strange uh, blend wow um, but I, I i want to be very uh, very respectful about the, their legacy because I think they're they, I mean, um, it's very 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 important music. But also, I don't want to make fake native music. I I I have my own background and I respect that music. And I don't know. I I use some elements and try to get I don't know go somewhere else. But also with trying to be very respectful respectful with their music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Obviously, it's a, a discussion that comes up frequently where I am, which is, you know, at what point is a, a lot of experimental music that does extract from particular traditions, uh, taking them and, and presenting them in a way which is perhaps then put through, a, a, you know, for us, a Western lens, you know, it's a... it's certainly something that can become very, very problematic quite quickly. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's it's like it's it's, it's different. It's difficult to think about. Like, but I, I think, I think we need to listen all this music. So, I mean, um, I think if you if you bring back this uh, the influence of this music, which you know, because of course I also studied music and also studied. Oh no, I, I know the academic side of the of the of the thing so but the thing is they are in the academia they are like somehow like forgetting this uh, forgetting this this music because i think it's super great music and i think nobody's like taking it seriously enough in my opinion So let's talk about your second record, 
if you'd like to tell me the name of it and then also a little bit about why it's important to you as well, that'd be great. Well, the second record was uh, this record uh, of a Paraguayan guitarist uh, that is called um, Agustin Barrios. Uh, Agustin Barrios is, you know, it has been like forgotten also for years, but uh, he's considered one of the best guitar players of all times. Even some people, they say he was, the, he's the number one. But wow. the thing is, uh, he was coming from Paraguay. So at the moment, uh, at, the, at the time, um, it was very difficult for him to, to get some recognition. But he did it, actually, and uh, because he was um, also traveling quite a lot. He stayed in Argentina, in Buenos Aires, and he recorded also in Buenos Aires. And he was also in Uruguay, and he was traveling a little bit in Europe. And then he finally died in, in, uh, in El Salvador, in Central America, and that's in the 40s. I think he he was born in the the late late uh, 1890 or something. He died. I think he was dying in in El Salvador in 44 or something like that. So um, and his legacy is really huge. So this record is like um, a compilation of all the recordings available of uh, Agustin Barrios. And there's a, also a very interesting thing about Barrios that he also made like a you know a, a, a character, and he reversed his name. That's Agustin. Yeah. He put it backwards, and yeah. there's Nitsuga, and he also took the name from a cacique that is like a cacique is like a like a tribe chief from Paraguay, uh, Mangore. So he reversed his name as Nitsuga Mangore. Uh, that was his nickname for, and also he 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 brought some custom like a chief, like a native tribe chief. So that was really advanced. You know, you can think about the residents or keys or anything, but this guy was doing that in 1920 or something, which was right. really advanced. And actually, his guitar playing is fantastic. I mean, um, so all these recordings, even if the sound is not superb, I mean, it's the sound of you can get from a, at the at the time in the 20s and 10s and 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 then i think the uh, the other recordings uh, i think the latest are a little bit better from the 30s and 40s but i think anyway the sound is not the it's not digital <laughs> at all but uh, anyway uh, but anyway i think it's really great stuff and uh, I also played Barrios in, on the guitar. I studied some some of his stuff. I mean, he has a huge output, so I think it's very difficult to play all his stuff. But uh, um, and new playing Barrios, you can understand this guy was a genius. I think it's really massive the way he was thinking guitar, and it took um, a lot of time. Um, for the for the world to discover his stuff, I think uh, nowadays Barrios is com completely um, one of the top uh, guitar composers for classical guitar. But that's after John Williams recorded a record of Barrios in the 70s. Before that, it, he was completely missed in Europe. Only he was known in South America. But after the Williams record, I think he's more well known, like uh, one of the I don't know. It's in the top five of uh, guitar composers of all times. Hmm. Uh, do you remember how you first came to know 
the music of Barrios? Well, I mean, the, the thing is, Barrios, uh, a lot of his music is, uh, in a way, preserving the traditions. Because also, he was um, traveling into Argentina and he was uh, transcribing some popular tunes, but also, like, you know, like making his own versions on, with the guitar. And some of the stuff is really well-known Argentinian folklore or Paraguayan or Brazilian. And he was doing all this stuff. So some of the music is, you know, part of the legacy of Latin American music that you 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 know it, even if you don't know exactly that version. It's like, oh, I know this music, but then you listen to Barrio's uh, arrangement and it's like fantastic. And so he preserved a lot of this stuff and, and made his version. But I think uh, I first heard about Barrios when I was 15 or something because of uh, when I was starting guitar and at the time I just was wondering who he was but then with the years and playing I understood this guy was really be beyond anything and really very advanced for the time when I again I bring up the interview that we had last time and uh february 2017 but you had mentioned you just started playing some classical guitar again and just started uh, playing some barrios pieces again are, are you still in that phase of playing more classical guitar yes i'm i'm, I'm still having that, that that stuff i think it's a, it's a nice thing with when you don't have any pressure it's just like to have fun and I'm not sure if I'm doing a record with that, but I I like to do it for myself, and also it helps me a lot to get some music flowing, and and I think it has some influence on the records, <laughs> experimental <laughs> records later. But I don't know how exactly, but I think probably it has some kind of influence. I, I wonder if it's kind of the fact that you're stepping so far outside of the scenario in which your records come to be so the you know that experimental spirit or whatever that you employ on your records i wonder whether reconnecting with the classical stuff is sort of almost like a it makes the distance between the two more apparent i don't know or you know it's like going into the cold to go back into the hot again perhaps i think it might be that or also it's a little bit like an iceberg you know you have the the, the part you can see of the iceberg, but also you have something below the water. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, that's the iceberg is both what is uh, what you can see and you what what you cannot see. That's yeah. iceberg is below. So I think uh, I like to think this. This I think I, I really like music basically, and I like beautiful beautiful music. So I. I I like classical music, but also, on the other hand, you have uh, a lot of people playing this stuff with a, you know, like very, I would say, standard attitude. You have thousands of classical players with a standard attitude, and and that's what I I don't like to be, uh, just like a, you know, like I don't like to be a. A, a classical player only because i mean that's uh, there's a lot of people doing that already so it's i mean the world is not uh, needing any more player with the standard <laughs> approach so for me it's more that than getting that stuff but i also have this other stuff that is more like uh, adventurous so uh, i think uh, get something in the mix with the classical then but uh, i'm still also wondering what to do with both traditions and do you have a, is there a particular piece 
by Barrios. I know he's got like I I think I read that there's over like 300 of his compositions documented. But is there a, a particular piece that sticks out in your mind? Of course, uh, his masterpiece is called La Catedral. Mm. That is the the um, cathedral. Uh, that's one of the the, the the main pieces, and also the the danza paraguaya. That, that is the Paraguayan dance. It's uh, so those are kind of classic. But I think he he has quite quite a lot of stuff. I mean, all, all his stuff is really brilliant. <laughs> have your final record now if you'd like to give me the the name of it and then also a little bit about why it's important to you as well so the last one uh is uh is more related with argentinian rock uh it's luis alberto spinetta and it's um called spinetta landia y sus amigos that means like spinetta land and his friends or something spinetta is one of the biggest if not the the biggest argentinian rock composer guitar player and singer and he died uh, some years ago i think 2012 or something and he he was doing well of course he he has some brilliant stuff with his first band almendra the second one pescado rabioso and Invisible also is great. And he went more into jazz and, and some other stuff. But I think he, his stuff is always challenging. But uh, this record is is not the the most well-known. Actually, it was also forgotten at some point because it's, it's the record he, he recorded after Almendra. And so it's his first solo record. But uh, actually, he had the contract with the company and... Uh, he delivered this record that was very difficult to sell because, <laughs> and it's it's it's, it's a quite like crude in a way uh, rock uh, um, record but also uh, at the time it's, it's quite like sensitive and, and it's a little bit strange um, and so he he recorded with some friends that are also well-known figures from the Argentinian rock, like Papo or Miguel Abuelo. What I like about this record is, like, also, it's, it's a record is very, very wild in a way, and it's, it's not very... Um, I mean, they recorded just in a home, and it was, like, very free form for the time, and it's the kind of... A, it's quite experimental for, for, for Spinetta in the sense of, of um, having something very spontaneous, and, and I think it's, it's a quiet nice records but i mean it's it's like um it's not the you can also probably uh choose uh more well recorded records but spinetta but uh, i like this this raw um approach of this record that is a little bit raw but also very spontaneous and, and it uh, it's like very um i don't know very touching in a way i can't believe i'd never heard of I'd never heard of Spinetta before and this is the first experience I had and I was really surprised because it sounds so I mean as you say it's a wild record but it sounds big 
he sounds important i think even in this recording he is clearly absolutely overflowing with confidence and there's such a conviction in the way that he's going about this but um in order to find out more information about it i had to translate i think like the spanish wikipedia page about this release because there wasn't one on the 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 english wikipedia at all uh, which i think says something in itself <laughs> <laughs> did did I, I i believe i don't know if, the, if this was correct in the translation but it seemed to suggest that he'd had like a falling out with the record label rca because they were pushing him into a more commercial area and this was almost like an act of rebellion against what they wanted him to do yeah yeah i mean he 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 had this he had to he they, he had a contract so they he had to deliver one more record and he he came with this record that was completely <laughs> um, i don't know strange so they didn't like the record and actually the thing is uh the uh, the company of course rca didn't like uh the record and they put uh, a cover that is what it was called uh um, actually, the first uh, edition, it was called Almendra. The Almendra was the the band, hmm. uh, the first band. So they they put the name of Almendra, but uh, of course, Spinetta went to trial because I mean that was something stupid from the company. They 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 put the name of the band because they wanted to sell. But uh, I mean. Uh, and then there's a second edition that is called La Busca de la Estrella. That means like a the search in search of the the star or something but i mean yeah of course it's a record that is uh, it was strange uh, and not very successful at all uh, because it has like three editions with different covers and and of course this trial thing and uh, so i think also that's that's nice to to check this story yeah yeah, I I always uh, kind of enjoy a bit of record label controversy around a release. It generally indicates that the music is quite interesting. But um, I mean, did you ever get a, a chance to see him play live at all? Yes, uh, yes, many times. I think um, I like his music uh, many times, and I saw him personally a couple of times. And well, uh, I think we are working now on the on the uh, on the Reynolds box set because I mean we've been playing for many years with Reynolds and uh, last year we were um, working on this uh, box set and it has some quote about that when we gave Spinetta the you know the dematerialized record of uh, of Reynolds that is a CD that you open it and and it has no physical record but it says something that uh, the record um, was dematerialized with 15 seconds before you open the box <laughs> and, we, and we gave that record to Spinetta and he opened it and say something like que grosso that means like oh, this is awesome or something so that that's a story <laughs> that is on the box set so uh, it has a lot of uh, stories from different people from all the world about Reynolds so that story of Spinetta is on the Reynolds booklet that, uh, of the box set that is coming next year on Pika Disc the uh, label from Lasse Marhog in Norway oh, yes oh what a fantastic uh, collaboration there that's great and how big is the box set there's like six CDs, one DVD, and two booklets. It's quite a box set. Wow. 
And does the DVD have live footage? I, I know there was a big documentary about you as well. Yeah, but this is just um, live footage from Reynolds playing. Um, there's a documentary, but this is uh, new stuff that is not in the documentary. It's new stuff we did. Well, it's not new. I mean, it's from the from all the <laughs> um, the years. But I mean, we we made the the stuff for digitalizing that stuff and selection of of this old performance stuff from the beginnings and I think I think it's from all the years. Well, great. If there's any uh, where online that people can find out more information, I'll, I'll again I'll link them to that in the show notes. Um, but otherwise, people will just need to keep their eyes peeled for that. Uh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's it's Pika Disc is the is the record. I can post you the the link. It's Pika Disc from uh, Norway, and I don't know if it's on the website yet, but it will be soon. Fantastic, and. Um, to return to Spinetta for a moment, I mean, do you have a favorite track from this album? Well, I think I like the whole album, but we, we can... I think it, it has some, uh, some rock tunes that are... Uh, some of them are, are actually not Spinetta, but Papo recordings, but are not credited. Cred- Papo was one of the biggest uh, guitar players. I think it started with Era de Tontos. But also, I like these tracks that are more uh, uh, like hippie tracks, like uh, this "Dame Pan" is "Give Me Bread." Uh, so I mean, ah, you yes. can go with the with the rock or with the or with the uh, acoustic folk stuff. I think I like both. Yeah, the the track that stuck with me to begin with is I, I can't remember what the the name is, but it translates as to something like uh, "Into the Forest" or something like that. It's in like the second half. I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's... Vamos al bosque, nena. Yes, that one. Let's yes. go to the forest, baby, or something. Yeah, yeah. That one really... As, uh, I, I've been playing that quite a few times over because the, the backing vocals on that are really nice. Yeah. <laughs> did, did I also read something about... Um, Spinetta gave Papo his guitar or something as well at the end. Yeah, of the- and, and, and he sold it. <laughs> he, he quickly sold it. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's like uh, there are many stories about it on the rock scene, you know, those years. Alan, this has been really great. Thank you so much for uh, taking me through your three important records and also for putting me back in the loop of your latest uh, happenings as well. It's been fantastic to speak with you. Well, it's a pleasure for me and and I think it's always uh, nice to check this stuff and see what we can say about this stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, If people also want to find out more about your music uh, is there a best place for them to go on the internet or is there any way you want to direct them um i've been quite uh, specifically chaotic with the internet it's a, <laughs> it's my policy it's like i don't have a, a an official website there are 
I think like hundreds of websites with stuff that I've been doing. And I also have uh, some stuff by Andla and some stuff by Alan. So it's very confusing and I like I like it. I think it's very good to be confusing. So I think uh, just go there and put a Andla or Alan or Reynolds or whatever and I think you can get some some confusion more confusion <laughs> fantastic that's great well in which case uh we'll leave it there but thank you very much again alan and to everyone listening i will see you next time